This is the Action Network Podcast. All the work, all the talk, all the handicapping is done. It's time for history. They're all in line. We're ready for the start. They're off in the Kentucky Derby. Break another two legs more. Back to win, win, win on the turn. Beginning to pick up stride near the back of the pack. As the field turns for home. And he bursts through an opening on the inside. Stride for stride. As they come to the final furlong. Keeps battling on. One, two, down to the line. An impossible result here. Wins the Kentucky Derby. Welcome to the Action Network podcast, Kentucky Derby betting preview presented by Twin Spires. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by Action Network contributor Mike Conti. We're going to take you through the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Oaks, and the undercards for both Friday and Saturday. We're going to jump right into it here. Let's go straight to the main event, the Kentucky Derby, going to post time at 6.57 p.m. Eastern at Churchill Downs on Saturday. It is race number 12. And we need to talk about the pace first, because unlike past editions of the Kentucky Derby, the past eight editions, a horse in the top three ended up crossing the finish line first. I think we have a much more honest pace this time. The other thing I need to mention is the morning line odds. A lot of these odds actually seem pretty short. Now, when you project a win probability for a race, a game, whatever have you, should add up to 100%. Typically, with the VIG added onto a horse book for any race, you're going to get a line that adds up about 125%. This Kentucky Derby line is extra juiced. It adds up to about 140%. So most of these odds will get a little bit longer come Derby time. And the other thing we need to mention is Mattress Mac, who is going to determine single-handedly the post-time favorite because he needs to hedge out of his furniture promotions. Personally, I'm hoping he bets the number three epicenter because the top two choices in this race, the number 10 Zandon and the number three epicenter, I definitely prefer Zandon. He is the morning line favorite. Not sure if he'll be the post-time favorite, but he is the horse for me in this race. Love everything about him. And he's working as well as any horse at Churchill Downs over the past couple of weeks, which is what has made him potentially the morning line favorite and the post-time favorite as well. Epicenter, I'm a little bit against. Don't love his draw. Has the main speed horse to his outside, the number four. And being on the inside, he may eventually face a crush of horses coming over. He wants to be on or near the lead up in that first or second flight of horses. And I don't necessarily think he's going to get there. And even if he does, he may end up getting blocked by traffic. The other contenders that we have to talk about, there's three more that can actually win this race pretty consistently, in my opinion. The number 12, Taiba, he is the fastest horse in the race. And I think he's the key to the whole race. Now he's only run, I believe, two or three races. And both of those were against six horse fields. But he is the fastest horse on speed figures here. And I am not the type of person to fade the fastest horse in the field based on speed figures. I'm not going to go against him just because he hasn't faced this level of competition. I also think the horse racing game is changing a little bit. We're seeing horses who are less experienced running the derby more often than we have in the past. The other two, the number one, Modonigal drew the rail. I think the rail hurts him less than it does any other potential horse in this field. And also the number six, Messier. He probably wants to be on or near the lead as well. Not sure if he's going to carry the distance, but of the two Santa Anibar, Derby horses, he is the one that I prefer. Conti, we're going to get some to some horses that we're tossing in a minute. Do you think there's another main wing contender aside from that five? And of the top two choices, who do you prefer? 
Sean, I agree with you. I, I'm very much against, I shouldn't say against, but I prefer to go in other directions than Epicenter. We'll definitely use in multi-race wagers. I agree with, with Zandon. He's going to have to work out a trip. You know, everybody says, oh, well, he got to work out a trip in the bluegrass. I don't know how much of a trip he really worked out. He hugged the rail. It opened up. Um, you know, in terms of the pace, I think you mentioned it. The other horse that I do like in here, there's two other horses at a price that I think we'll talk a little bit about. Cyberknife, number 16, at 20 to 1, a big price, the Arkansas Derby winner. And the other horse that is my long shot play, number 19, Zozos. Uh, coming out of that same Louisiana Derby against Epicenter, I know that he lost against Epicenter, and you're going to say, if you're not going to like Epicenter, how do you like Zozos? We can go into it a little later on. Um, but, you know, Sean, overall, agree with everything that you said. We are going to get a, a much faster pace, I think, than what we've seen, and a much more contended pace than what we've seen in years past. The only other thing that I will point out in all of this, right, I think a little bit of the elephant in the room is while Bob Baffert doesn't technically train any of the horses in this year's Derby after last year, there are two horses that Baffert previously trained, both horses that you've mentioned, number six, Messier, um, as well as number 12, Taba. They've since obviously been transferred to other barns six plus weeks ago. You know, Taba's morning line at 12 to one, that's never going to hold. I think if you look at a lot of the lines right now, Taba is floating in that like nine to two-ish range, five to one. Um, and, you know, I think similar potentially to last year, you know, Messier, yeah, didn't run a great race in the Santa Anita Derby. You know, did the horse maybe need that race? And can he come back stronger? Uh, he's got Johnny V who won last year with Medina Spirit. So what does that look like? I, I think we're in for a treat this year, Sean. I agree as well. I think this is one of the deepest Derby fields in a while. And I think the race, the way the race sets up, it's going to be a really fun stretch run. I'm actually not sure who's going to come out on top because I think it's going to come down to traffic, who's able to get out in the clear and who's able to work out a trip. And in a 24 field, you never really know what's going to be the case as far as getting a good trip. Let's talk some horses that we're tossing. I like to narrow down the fields first before I get into who are my top selections, who I'm using underneath. So let's talk some tosses. There's five horses that I have no interest in using. The number two, Happy Jack. The number four, Summer is Tomorrow, who I mentioned, I expect to be the early pace setter. The number 17, Classic Causeway, who also wants to be on or near the lead. The number 18, Tawny Point. And the number 20, Ethereal Road. There's also two other horses I'm against, just based on how they're working around the Churchill Downs track this week. The number five, Smile Happy, that may be a little controversial. I know a lot of people like that horse underneath, but he keeps getting warm in training and the, the temperatures haven't been particularly warm. So if he's getting warm in training in the morning when it's cool, I do not love him come post time on Derby Day. The number 19, Tis the Bomb as well. Wouldn't be surprised if the five or the nine hit on the board just based on talent, but I'm not really interested in using either of them. So that's a list of seven horses. Do you disagree with any of those seven that I mentioned? And would you add any to that list of horses that you're scratching from your potential candidates? So uh, the only thing, I, for the most part, I agree with you, Sean. The, what, the one that I disagree with is what you mentioned, Smile Happy, number five. I do think that he stands a chance to, at the very least, hit the board. Uh, you know, he ran a great bluegrass. I mean, obviously, Zandon won that race and won that race going away. You know, can Smile Happy improve off of that? Uh, another 
uh, angle that I really like when it comes to the Derby is horses that are able to pair their first two buyer speed figures coming into their three-year-old season tend to make a jump up in the buyer speed figure in that third race. Smile Happy has done just that in the Bluegrass and the Risen Star, having a 94 in both of those races. The, the Risen Star was his first race as a three-year-old. The Bluegrass also a 94. If he's able to take a step up, um, the one horse that you didn't mention that I'm tossing, and I know that this is going against all of the wise guys out there, but I'm tossing number seven, Crown Pride. I, I just don't see it with this horse. Uh, listen, if he hits the board, if he wins, good for him. I, I cannot use this horse. No horse coming from the UAE Derby has ever really done much. I, I don't know as though that I trust this horse. Uh, I know that he's been the talk of the town. You know, if the track is still wet Saturday evening, which I don't expect it to be, but you never know with Mother Nature, I have less than zero trust in this horse on any bit of a wet track. So that's the other horse in here uh, that I would absolutely be be tossing. And it's not necessarily because of the horse. It's because of what I believe the horse is going to go off at in terms of odds that I think don't allow for any value. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. I'm actually going to disagree because I am going to use him actually pretty extensively. I love the way this horse has been working. But like you said, he is the main buzz horse, probably aside from Zandon, just based on his recent works. His last work around the track was absolutely ridiculous. I believe he clipped off his finer quarter mile in under 22 seconds. He definitely wants the distance, has run nine furlongs multiple times. It's tough to gauge the horses coming over from the UAE Derby because we don't really have normal speed figures and you kind of have to figure that out on your own. But based upon how he's training, based upon how he looks, I certainly think he can hit the board in here, if not even potentially find a way to victory. His push button speed seems like it's there and the way he sort of glides around the track without needing to be pushed at all. I think he's actually a legitimate contender. And I think the fact that none of the Japanese horses have run particularly well, I think the best finish for Japanese horse in the Derby was Lonnie who finished sixth. And then I don't believe more than more than Lonnie, potentially one other has even placed in any of the uh, Kentucky or I should say triple crown races. So crown pride is the one for me compared to these other horses that have come over from Japan. I think he's much more talented. And I really think the Japanese horses have leveled up over time, multiple wins in the breeders cup last year. So I think, I think they're finally catching up potentially. And eventually one of them is going to slip into the money. Can he win? I'm not sure, but I do think he can hit the board. The other two long shots that I like, the number 13 Slipification and the number 16 Cyberknife. You already mentioned Cyberknife. Gunrunner is my all-time favorite horse. So far be it for me to leave Tybo or Cyberknife off of my tickets. They'll both definitely be on there regardless of Tybo's price. Cyberknife training as well as any horse as well. And I love the connections. Simplification of the two horses from the Florida Derby with White Barrio, I actually prefer him. Thought he did Maybe better work, just faded down the stretch. Not sure if he's going to want the distance, but based on what I've seen on the gallop outs, as he trains leading up to the Kentucky Derby, I actually do think it's going to be in his favor. So Cyberknife, Simplification, the 16, the 13, and I mentioned Crown Pride, the number seven, even though Conti isn't a fan. Where are you looking for your top long shots from these price horses about 15 to one or higher? Yeah, I, you know, I think... First and foremost, let me just say, you know, I, I hear everything that you're saying and I, I don't disagree. I just think there's so much buzz 
around the horse that I, I just can't get myself around this. I mean, I've seen things that are saying that this horse could go off at like four to one. And, yeah, and there's just, there's just no way that I can find any bit of value to say, okay, I'm going to play this horse at four to one because of the way that he's working. I mean, I, I just, I have a hard time there. Uh, listen, I think my, my top long shot at 15 to one or greater is number 19. Zozos. I mentioned earlier, you know, he's coming out of that same Louisiana Derby race as epicenter. Uh, you know, while I don't think that epicenter looked amazing in there and clearly epicenter beat Zozos, I also don't think that Zozos is a horse that wants the lead, but naturally just got the lead in that race. And Zozos isn't going to have the lead in this race. And with that outside post, I do think that he's going to be able to work out the right trick. He's going to be able to put, you know, jockey Manny Franco is going to be able to put this horse kind of where he wants in a stalking position. The, the biggest concern for Zozos is how wide does he get caught in that first turn being all the way out in post 19. But if he's able to use that tactical speed to be close and only be three or four wide going into that first turn, I think he stands a big chance at 20 to one. Um, you know, you mentioned, we both talked cyber knife. Listen, that horse, in my opinion, did nothing wrong in, in the Arkansas Derby. He wandered a little bit. He showed, I think, a little bit of greenness in the stretch run there, but I'm okay with that, right? Let a horse continue to progress coming out of the Brad Cox barn. I feel like these days, you know, Brad Cox is, he's no longer an up and coming trainer. He's made it. He's there. Uh, it's only a matter of time before his horse finishes in first in the Derby, not gets placed first in the Derby. So let's talk our favorite win contenders in multi-race wagers. I'm probably, or definitely, I should say, going to use the number 10 Zandon. I'm probably also going to use the number 12 Taba and the number one Mo Donegal. We mentioned the fact that Taba isn't that, doesn't have that much experience relative to his peers, wasn't raced as a th or two-year-old, so he has the curse of Apollo. We saw Justify break that. Zozos actually falls in a similar category. Only three lifetime starts, I believe, also didn't race as a two-year-old. But it, for me, it's the number one Mo Donegal, who I think should work out a decent trip even from the inside, has a great jockey on board, and should find a late run in this race. The number 10 Zandon and the number 12 Taiba. Those are the horses I'm going to end up finishing my pick five wagers with. We'll get to the other four races in that pick five sequence. How many horses are you considering using in multi-race wagers, and who are your A and Bs? Uh, so it's funny, Sean. I don't know if you remember this. Last year, Todd Pletcher and Irad Ortiz also were in the one hole with known agenda. And that was my top pick in that race. And for better or for worse, Mo Donegal is my top pick in here. If there's a horse, you mentioned it earlier, I'll say it again. If there's a horse that's able to overcome the one hole, which is not the one hole of yesteryears anyway, it's going to be Mo Donegal, right? The closing style, that kick. If you go back and you watch that Wood Memorial, he actually did have to work out a trip. He hugged the rail. Then he's got to swing wide. He had to navigate, in my opinion, much more traffic than Zandon did in Zandon's race. So Mo Donegal is going to be my top selection. After last year, and I know, again, it's technically not Baffert, but after last year, I've told myself, I'm not going to get beat in multi-race wagers by a Baffert horse or a previously trained Baffert horse. So I will definitely be using number six Messier. And I will also be using the number 12 Taba as well as Zandon. And I will also be uh, including 
Zozos just as a long shot in there. So I will be using five in the multi-race wagers. We'll get into why I'm going a little bit deeper other than the fact that it's the Derby in a little while because sneak peek, I do have a single. I like it because I had a very difficult time finding a single in that sequence. Okay, let's talk other horses to use underneath in Derby Exotics real quick. And then we'll move on to the Oaks and the rest of the card for both days. I'm using the number 19 Zozos. Completely agree with you. You use final fraction theory. He absolutely falls into the category of potential winners in this race based on that criteria. So he can definitely hit the board at his price. The number 15, White Abario, he was the Florida Derby winner, trained extremely well at Gulfstream leading up to this race. Good reports on him at Churchill Downs. Don't necessarily know if he wants the distance, but absolutely live to hit the board. The number 14, Barber Road, probably the longest of the odds on my potential exotic tickets. 30 to 1 on the morning line may go off even higher on Derby Day, but if we're expecting a fast pace, Barber Road is going to be running late and passing tired horses. So I think he's absolutely live to finish third or fourth. The one that I disagree with in terms of my own opinion, but I respected other people's opinions enough to include him, the number 11 pioneer of Medina. Don't love him personally, but enough people I respect are using him that I'll probably end up sticking him on my tickets. And then the number eight, Charge It. I think he's the best from the Pletcher Barn. Maybe he's your Belmont Stakes winner. This might be too much too soon. Bit of a head case, but absolutely talented. Son of Tappet. I think he's primed for a big race. And the fact that Pletcher is including him here I think is encouraging of that list of five. Is there any that you prefer to the others? How do you feel about pioneer Medina? Any that I missed? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with, with everybody that you said, I, I'm not a fan of white of barrio. Um, I, I agree that Barber road is going to be running late and I got news for you. Jockey Ray Lou Gutierrez has been riding really well throughout the winter, the spring, and even into the early parts of this, this Churchill downs meet. So it would not surprise me to see him catch catch a piece of this. Uh, you know, I think we talked about most of the others already. So there's nobody else that I'm going to be using. I, I think the only horse that we haven't really talked much about that I'll definitely use um, is Epicenter. And frankly, in order to potentially uh, make a Superfecta ticket a little bit more uh, reasonably priced, I may actually single Epicenter in like two, three, and four, and then go deeper in some of those other spots. So saying, okay, I do think that Epicenter is going to be a top four finisher. I don't think that he's going to win. And that way you can keep that Superfecta ticket price down and a little bit more reasonable than if you were just to box, you know, six or seven horses. So the way I'm probably building out my tries, my, my super, I'm probably going to try to single Zandon on one line, probably put crown pride simplification and Cyberknife on another line and then maybe have about eight to 10 horses on a third line, maybe switch lines two and three, but having Zanin on top, I think that's the way I'm going to find value on potentially the post-time favorite. Again, I'm hoping mattress Mac comes in and bets epicenter. So I get a little bit of a better price on Zanin, but it's the number 10 Zanin for me. It's the number one Mo Gonigal for Conti. And then our favorite long shots underneath the number seven crown pride for me and the number 19 Zozos for Conti. As a reminder, this is the Action Network Podcast Kentucky Derby Preview presented by Twinspires, the official betting partner of the Kentucky Derby. To get you guys ready to bet the Derby, Twinspires is offering Action Network listeners a deposit bonus up to $400. Here's how it works. Go to twinspires.com and sign up using code ACTIONRACING. You'll receive a deposit bonus of $100 for every $400 that you wager. Good for up to $400 in bonuses. To take advantage of the deposit bonus offer, just follow the link in our episode description and use promo code ACTIONRACING at signup. 
back to the show. Let's talk about the Kentucky Oaks, the other main event this weekend, going to post Friday at 5.51 p.m. Eastern, race 11 on the Kentucky Oaks Day card. So there's rain in the forecast for Friday, and this has me hesitant about betting the entire Oaks Day card. Generally speaking, I avoid betting races where there's rain in the forecast, avoid betting wet or sloppy tracks. Maybe we get a wet fast track, and that sort of nullifies my concerns. But by and large, I really want to stay away from this card. I'm going to bet the Oaks because I have to bet the Oaks, and you got to play that Oaks Derby double. Now, there's four main win contenders in here, and I think everybody seems to be picking one of these four horses to win the race. That's the uh, morning line favorite, the number four Nest, five to two. The number 10, Kathleen O, who may be the most talented horse in the field, she's seven to two. The two-year-old champion, the number seven, Echo Zulu, four to one. And the number one secret oath sitting at six to one. Nest has a win last out over a wet track, fast track, but still wet track. So that may move her up if it is wet on Oaks Day. Echo Zulu is seemingly regressed after her two-year-old campaign. I said she was the two-year-old champion. Maybe the other horses have caught up to her. That is very common between two and three that you see not necessarily regression, but that everybody catches up to the horse who was previously best. I mentioned Kathleen O, maybe the most talented horse, not a good workhorse. And that is the one thing that concerns me. Very tough to gauge how she's doing coming into a race because she doesn't necessarily fire off great works, but that has always been the case with her. And I think you almost have to include her because it's an unknown, but I think she's the most talented in the field. And then Secret Oath has the speed scores to compete with anyone, but getting six to one on those odds relative to the other prizes. Maybe Secret Oath is the horse to use. Conti of those four main win contenders. I think I actually prefer Nest. Bit shocky. I know I don't love it, but considering we have rain in the forecast, probably moves her up for me. How do you feel about the top four win contenders? And do you see anybody else winning this race? So first and foremost, I love Secret Oath in this race. I actually think that she should have, could have, obviously didn't win the Arkansas Derby against the boys. Um, I'll I'll go more into detail on that in a second. I think to your point, it's these four, you know, and I, I laugh at people who have anything against Echo Zulu. It was her first race in three and a half months. She might've needed the race. She still won. She's the only horse in the field. That's a perfect five for five in her career. And at four to one, it just makes me scratch my head a little bit and say, what is there against this horse? Now, one thing to note is Steve Asmussen has not won in the state of Kentucky in the last 72 starts. I think it goes back to November of last year. The last time that Steve Asmussen, uh, Steve Asmussen trained horse won in the state of Kentucky. That's Churchill. That's Keeneland. Uh, that's Kentucky Downs. And it's also Turfway. It's crazy to think that a Hall of Fame trainer uh, one of the most successful winningest trainers of all time hasn't gotten there. Kathleen O, as you mentioned, Sean, she's a beast. She's also a huge horse. Uh, my question, and you can probably say the same thing for Secret Oath. The question is, is does how does the sloppy track, if it is sloppy, if it's wet fast, I think we're okay. As you mentioned, a sloppy track closers, you know, how does that play? What does the pace scenario look like? I think all of that's going to come into play. I, I don't think that there is anybody outside of these four, as you mentioned, Sean, that really stands much of a chance in here. I'm actually going to disagree on that in a moment because I do have a long shot that I actually like and I think could win. Steve Asmussen, the trainer of the number three epicenter in the Kentucky Derby. He has won the Kentucky Oaks twice, has not won the Derby. And he's more of a sprint trainer, in my opinion, tends to have 
horses that are better around seven furlongs, maybe six furlongs, but doesn't really have the horses that run as well at the route distances. So yeah, I'm generally against Steve Asmussen horses. Once we extend out, get past seven furlongs, eight furlongs, you know, once we get past that mile distance, I don't really know if his horses run as well. Okay. My top long shot, the number eight Venti Valentine. I actually think this horse can win. And I know it's a bit of a contrarian take relative to the top four horses in this field. This horse has been training lights out leading up to this race. The one concern for me is the distance did tend to fade in the stretch a little bit in her last race, but top Churchill Jones jockey and Tyler Gaffleone never been off the board in five lifetime starts price is going to be right. And she has the tactical speed to, I think, sit in a good spot in this race. I'm actually expecting a pretty honest pace in the Oaks as we're anticipating the Derby, maybe not quite as fast, but I think an honest pace and horses from off the lead are going to end up winning it. And she's impressed in workouts. Like I said, second of 84 horses to walk work out on April 23rd, have heard good things about how she's moving around the track, galloping out, ears up, looks happy. So the number eight, Venti Valentine for me, absolutely my top long shot. And I think potentially a sneaky win contender here. That said, amongst the favorites, I do think I prefer the number four nest. I'm with you a little bit on Secret Oath. I just, I'm having a very difficult time ordering those top four horses. I'm having a difficult time leaving any of them off my tickets. The issue with Echo Zulu, how fast is the pace? Because if Echo Zulu doesn't get the lead, it's game over. But if she does get the lead, she could end up running a merry-go-round around this track and beating these horses by multiple lengths. So how much pace pressure does she face early on, I think is the main question with Echo Zulu. But I, I completely agree. Of the prices among those top four contenders, that's the one that surprised me the most relative to her past performances. Where are you going with your best long shot selection for the Oaks? And do you... Do you have a, a horse that you're targeting if you had to pick one from amongst those top four contenders? I guess you said Secret Oath, but is it is it a confidence level or are you just going based off a of price? Yeah, so it's definitely confidence level with Secret Oath. Uh, in terms of the, the top long shot for me, though, Sean, uh, and to your point with pace, I don't know if this necessarily uh, plays into my favor, but it's the number six, I believe she's pronounced Uguri. Uh, she's shown that she can run around a merry-go-round track a merry-go-round track she's fast she's really fast she may have some of if not the best early speed in this race can she get the distance i don't know she held on she fought back in the last race in the fantasy the grade three at oaklawn uh, so at 30 to one, a horse that I think you can consider, but I do agree that there's going to be a hot and contested pace in here. Listen, secret oath. I think it is a confidence play. It is also something where at six to one, I start to, you know, my mouth starts to drool a little bit. I start to get really excited because to me, there's not enough of a difference between her and Nest or her and Kathleen O at five to two and seven to two, respectively. Six to one, I think is a gift. I'm also a big believer that when a Philly or a mare runs against the boys yeah. next time out, they come and they tend to run a really big race. And listen, there was a reason why, you know, D Wayne Lucas put secret oath in the Arkansas Derby. And there were questions on if she won that race, if he was ever even going to send her into the Derby anyway. So I think this was the plan all along. 
I really like her in here. Listen, Cyberknife wandered a little bit in the stretch run of that of that uh, Arkansas Derby. Secret Oath didn't really get a clean run at him late. And you can watch her head is a little cocked. She's moving from in to out, trying to find her stride. I think she's going to be able to find her stride in this field with the post. Shouldn't should be able to work out a trip uh, down in the one hole there. And I think that she's coming flying late. And I do think that she is going to be the winner. And had a difficult trip in the Arkansas Derby as well. You know, she had some excuses to make in there and I believe still finished third. So I I completely agree with you on secret oath. I like horses that come back from running against the boys. That was a difficult test and getting that difficult test. I think she's inclined to improve off of it. All right, Conti, before we finish up the Oaks, I want to talk about some horses that we may want to use underneath. Now, this is a little bit interesting to me because there's two top trainers, Todd Pletcher and Brad Cox, who have horses sitting in that 20 to 1 range. So the number 13, Shahama, and the number 14, Turner Lewis, 15 to 1 and 20 to 1, respectively. Those are my two favorite horses, aside from Venti Valentine, the number eight, sitting in that longer odds range. Do you like any of those horses underneath? And are there any other horses that you're considering prioritizing on your exotic tickets? Yeah, I, I'm, I don't, the only other horse that I'm prioritizing on the exotic tickets in terms of long shots for me is the number three hidden connection. Um, I think that she ran really well in that fairgrounds Oaks race, uh, you know, echo Zulu. We know she's coming back here. She's racing, you know, hidden connections run against these horses before. And I think that she's very much trending in the right direction as a three-year-old. Yes. It's only going to get tougher for her in this field, especially though, if it's a sloppy track, I think that she stands a big chance. And again, she's got Jackie Ray Lou Gutierrez, which for better or worse, the guy's been riding with a ton of confidence. And I think that she's someone that's going to be coming late. She can also sit just off of it, right? She's got a nice versatility to her where she can sit the stocking trip. She can come from off of it uh, and be able to make that run at the end. I like her as a long shot play underneath in the exotics. I think 20 to one is a dream. I doubt you see anywhere near that number on hidden connection, but if you do, I completely agree. And that would probably be a one place show bet for me. If you got anywhere near 20 to one on hidden connection, the reason I like Shahama and Turner loose. Again, I focus on train training reports leading up to the Kentucky Derby clocker reports. They're both training lights out leading up to this race. That's why I think it could be a pretty good addition of the Kentucky Oaks. There just seems to be a lot of horses in really good form. And it seems like a relatively deep field. I know there's four top wing contenders that we talked about, but I actually see a lot of horses that could end up hitting second and, and sort of messing up exact as trifectas. So I would definitely look for price horses second or later, because if there's a fast pace, we may see horses falling out of the money. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the amount you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. 
So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code ACTION and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper, then use promo code ACTION when you deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Let's talk about our favorite undercard bets. We're going to start with the Friday Oaks card. Very limited for me, as I mentioned, with rain in the forecast. In fact, I may not end up playing any of these. I need to see what the weather is like, but I do want to talk about a few of these races. First, the grade Grade one, La Cheyenne, race six, 1.26 p.m. post time. The number two, She's There is a Devil, six to five on the morning line. Lost to the number six, Pauline's Pearl last time out. Was fresh off a layoff, though. Don't think she was fully geared up. And I think you're actually getting value on this horse here because of that loss. Should be even money, in my opinion, maybe four to five. This is her track. Kentucky Oaks winner, five for five at Churchill Downs. She should be first or second early on an uncontested pace. Six to five on the morning line. I'll bet that even money. Sure. I'll bet that too. I would bet this down to four to five. I think she dares the devil is way the most likely winner of that race, but I'm actually going to use her in a daily double. I'm not going to play her straight up race seven, the grade two Ali Sheba right after that two Oh nine PM post. There's two horses that I like in here and I think it'll be a slow pace. So the two leaders potentially early in the race, the number five Olympiad, that is your favorite. And the number two Weyburn five to one. Those are your two most likely winners, in my opinion. If we're going to get a slow pace, those two horses should be on the lead. And I think one passes the other in the stretch run and becomes your winner. So the number two, she dares the devil in race six for me. The number five, Olympiad. And the number two in race seven, Weyburn number two, Weyburn in race seven. I'm going to play daily double those three horses. And then I also want to talk about race nine, because there's a 15 to one shot that I like. The number nine, Awake at Midnight. She tried to run longer distances and it didn't really work out for her, but now she's cutting back to seven furlongs. And I think that's a great move. I like horses when they're coming back from routes to sprints. I'm going to play her in exact box with the favorite, the number eight, Mataria. Concerned about a wet track, but she did finish fourth in the slop in the gray one Ashland last time out behind Nest, who we mentioned, Kentucky Oaks favorite. And she didn't necessarily run bad. She just finished fourth behind a couple of horses who were better. Didn't necessarily run poorly on the wet track, was third and fourth all the way around. So I don't really know if the slop is going to hurt her at all, if it is sloppy. But for me, it's an exact box with the number eight, Mataria, and the number nine, Awake at Midnight in race nine. Very limited card for me on the Kentucky Oaks undercard. Conti, do you have any bets or are you just avoiding this because of the rain? Uh, so it's funny, Sean. I actually love the slop. I think that there's an advantage as a handicapper when there's a sloppy track. Uh, I'm going to touch on a couple of the same races that you did. I think in terms of my favorite sequence of the day, uh, it's going to be a pick three starting in race eight. I'm going to single number five Dulce Zen on top. I think that she is just going to be much the best in this spot. She's proven that she can run on a good turf course. Both of her last two starts came on a good turf course Two back. She won last time out. She only finished back. Uh, she finished second by a length and three quarters. Chad Brown always is ready to fire on the big days. I rat aboard. I think she's the most likely winner. Race nine, the two horses that I'm using here, one that you mentioned in the number eight, Mataria. Uh, I think, listen, she ran, a, a, in my opinion, a lights out race. I went back and watched the race like three times. She just blew that field away. Flavian Pratt had her geared down late. You know, the Brad Cox uh, connection here as well. Good Dolphin. I think that she's your most likely winner. 
A, a little bit of a price horse that does interest me in here is the number six gerrymander. Gerrymander beat Nest in her last start. Granted, it was a non-graded stakes race and it was back in November and we haven't seen her since then. I get it, but she ran really well. Another race that I went back and watched a couple of times, Gerrymander was pressed on her outside by a horse by the name of Magic Circle who looked at the top of the stretch like she was going to go right by Gerrymander and Gerrymander continued to find more and then continued to hold off Nest late. Gerrymander, she also ran second to Echo Zulu, who we've talked about at eight to one. I get the layoff, but it's Chad Brown. He has his horses ready coming off the layoff and she's by into mischief. So she could definitely run a big race, even in the mud. And then in race 10, I'm going towards the outside. Number 10, arrest me red, a Wesley Ward, Irad horse, second off the layoff. Second start in the four-year-old campaign, just missed last time out, splitting horses late, was the favorite in that race at even money. I don't think that this race is all that much more difficult than that race, frankly, although this is graded stakes competition. Second off the bench, getting four to one, I, I just scratch my head because the last three starts of, of this girl's three-year-old campaign, she won. So at four to one, a really square price, I will also be using the number nine Pyron in there. So again, my big pick three on Oaks Day will be in race eight, number five, Dulce Zen, race nine, numbers six and eight, Gerrymander and Materia. And then in race 10, I will be using Pyron and number 10, Arrest Me Red. Love it. And anytime you can find a single, you should bet. Or, or work your sequences around that single, I should say, either leading into it or starting with it. And then you could always change your tickets up from there. Saturday undercard bets. We're going to talk the pick five sequence in a minute, the late pick five that ends with the Kentucky Derby. I actually want to talk about the stakes races in race five and seven first. Race five, the grade two turf mile, 12.36 p.m. post. So you have to get those bets in early. And I said, I like She Dares the Devil on Friday. Well, I like the number eight Speak of the Devil on Saturday. Two to one, I think is potentially a dream on this horse. This should be closer to three to two or even money in my opinion. And for you general sports bettors out there, when I first started betting horses, there was no difference between two to one and three to two to me. Well, that's a difference between plus 200 and plus 150. So you should convert these to fair odds, implied odds, and take a think about what that means when those odds adjust. But like I said, this horse should be closer to even money in my opinion than two to one. If I get two to one, it's absolutely a win bet. We'll see what price we get, but speak of the devil, far and away the clear winner for me, controlling speed in this race. I don't think anybody's going to challenge him. Race seven, the Pate Mile, 1.56 p.m. post. There's a non-stakes race in the middle between races five and seven. The number five, Jack Christopher for Chad Brown, maybe not as strong of an opinion for me as speak of the devil, but any Chad Brown horse at two to one that could be a star in the making, concerned that it's his first start back off of a layoff. But Chad Brown has a 27% win rate in his first starts off a layoff. I don't think there's a better trainer getting his horses ready to go off the bench than Chad Brown. So maybe not as strong of an opinion as Speak of the Devil, but the number five, Jack Christopher in race seven for me, I think is far and away the most likely winner. Any horses you like in those races, Conte, or are those passes for you? Those honestly are passes for me. I'm going to save my dollars. I've got a really, as I mentioned earlier, I've got a really strong opinion in the late pick five sequence that I am going to press hard in a lot of ways. I like it. Well, let's go to that pick five. Starts with race eight, the Derby City Distaff, 2.48 p.m. post time. I'm going against the Brad Cox horses in here, the number one and the number two. 
Now, maybe Conti, I see him shaking his head. So this could be a little faulty for me. Maybe I'll be adding another horse to start my pick fives. The number four, Kamari, the number five, Obligatory, and the number six, Bell's the one. Those are all going to be on my multi-race tickets to start the late pick five sequence. Conti, tell me why I'm wrong in leaving either Lady Rocket or just one time the number one and the two off my tickets. It's just the number one Lady Rocket for me. Uh, I, I think that she is the speed of this race. She got pressed in her last start in the Madison. That track was also favoring closers that day. Uh, and I think that, again, we've talked about, you know, second off the bench, Brad Tech. Brad typically gets his horses ready. Second off the layoff, Brad Cox is winning at 29%. So give me Lady Rocket. She can go to the lead early and never look back. At five to one, I, I just scratched my head. She went off at five to two. You're getting double the odds that you got from her last start. And in which, yes, I know that there were others in here that ended up coming and beating her. But again, a track that was favoring closers, it was first off a four-month layoff for her. I really like her in here. The other two that I'm using, you mentioned already, number four, Kamari, and number five, Obligatory. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go back and take a closer look at later, Rocket. Listen, I finalized my tickets on Saturday morning. I'm still digging through these cards. I'm open to the fact that there's horses I may have missed, things in the PPs that I may have missed. Let's talk about race nine, the American Turf, 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. It's the five, the six, and the seven for me. Belenikov, six portfolio company, and the number seven, Dog. I'm staying with three in this race. Any of those you disagree with, any that you would add? Don't disagree. Not adding anything. Here's the single of the weekend for me. It is number seven, Dog. Horse has done nothing wrong, has run three times, won all three times, has continued to step up and face tougher, and frankly, has, in my opinion, looked better in each of these races Last time out, first off the bench uh, over a good turf course, which probably will still have on Saturday. I love Dog in here. It's Irad Ortiz. It's Derby Day. This guy knows how to show up. He puts his horses in the right spot. Watch out at 7-2 to two all day long. This is a win bet. This is a single in any multi-race exotics. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick five. I love to hear that. That is my top selection in the race as well. I will probably spread to the three horses in a pick five, but then I'll probably play a pick four where I'm singling side dog as well. So I, I'm probably going to have multiple tickets and I'll start a pick four with that single race 10, the Churchill down stakes 431 PM post seven furlong sprint. And as we talked about earlier, Steve Asmussen, typically an ace with his horses in sprints, the number three Jackie's warrior, one of my favorite horses in training absolutely will be on my tickets should be on the lead should be your leader. The question is, do we have a pace meltdown? Typically, I like to have horses who are going to be in front and show early speed in these sprints, but I think there's a potential that we see a pace meltdown. And in that case, I want the number one Aloha West as well, who will be the one deep closer in here, could potentially pick off this field at the end. Those are my A horses. I do have two B horses as well. The number five reinvestment risk and the number six prevalence, considering using those on my tickets to my multi-race wagers, whether I use them in the pick five Maybe stick to them in the pick four because I'm going to end up singling in the pick four and that's how I'll decrease my risk on the pick five ticket. Conti, how do you feel about those four horses? Yeah, I'm, I'm two horses deep in here, Sean. I agree with you. Jackie's warrior. Listen, he, he really doesn't do much wrong. He's got nine wins and 13 career starts. He also has two wins over this track at Churchill. Uh, he also has two wins over a wet track as well. So in case we do get some more moisture, we did mention 
the uh, the kind of elephant in the room with Steve Asmussen, though, of his record in the state of Kentucky uh, from November through now, which gives me a little pause for concern. So the other horse that I'm including in here, I think now we might have covered all the horses in this race, but for me is number eight, Cezanne. Uh, I really like this horse. Another horse that's moving from the Baffert barn to the Todd Pletcher barn. Frankly, to me, there's no difference there. They're one and the same in terms of their, the quality of trainer that you're talking about. Cezanne uh, has run really well against some of the best uh, out West. I, I really like him in this spot. Last time, he didn't seem to want to get the mile, but I do think that, you know, as a sprint horse, he's one that can sit just off this pace and will be able to close, not from as far back as Aloha West, to be able to get up late uh, against Jackie's Warrior. We only talked about five of the eight, so not too bad. Why don't I mention a six? The number seven mind control won me a bunch of money over the years. Don't like him here, though. But again, Conti, you're using a single. So if you want to spread in this race, that's okay. For me, I had a difficult time finding fewer than three horses in most of these races that I liked. So I have to trim somewhere. Maybe this is the race for it because I believe the Turf Classic, which is race 10 or race 11, I should say, 527 p.m. post. This is the spread race in the sequence for me. Had a very difficult time trimming down this field. I'm going to use all three Chad Brown horses, the number three public sector, the number four Tribuvon, and the number eight Adamo. I also like the number six Cheryl Spite coming off of a career best effort. So it's at least four horses in this field for me. I think you could go even deeper, but I'll probably limit myself to those four horses. Are you going deeper than four, less than four? How are, how are you looking at the Turf Classic? Yeah, I, Sean, I agree with you. Listen, depending on your budget, this if, if you're going to single, this very well could be an all race. And I totally agree with you, right? If you're able, if you're good with singling side dog and you only go too deep in, in one of the other races, you could very well click all in here. There's a lot of horses in here that I could make a, a big case for. I'm going to go with the three number, number three public sector, as you mentioned. I'm also going to have number eight, Admiraha, and the number 10, uh, Santin, as well in here for me. Um, you know, listen again, this to me, probably the most difficult race uh, of the sequence outside of the Derby, just being a 20 horse field, Cheryl spite last time went off at, or I should say was morning line, huge odds. I think she was like 50 or he was 50 to one morning line or something crazy like that ended up going off at nine to one closed really, really well. I just don't love a horse coming back in three weeks, um, especially from, from Roger Atfield, nothing against him. I just don't know as though that I trust that. And at such a short price, uh, I'm going to try to go against in here. I feel like the, the race before each triple crown race is always a spread race in these sequences. And that's where they sort of trip people up. You try to trim down, just hit the all button, especially if you're singling, maybe save yourself some aggravation. All right, I just want to recap our derby horses since we're talking about the pick five sequence. What's the fewest number of horses you're going to use? How much would you extend it out? For me, the fewest I would use is probably two, the number 10 Zandon. And for me, I think Taiba has to be the second horse if I'm going to choose from amongst the talk selections. I may consider adding in the number one Modonigal. Crown Prince, the number seven, is my favorite long shot. So maybe I even get up to four. And as you mentioned, it's tough to leave off the quote-unquote Baffert horses. The number six Messier may find his way into my tickets as well, depending on how trim I get on the other legs of these multi-race sequences. How are you finishing off your pick five, your pick four? Yeah, you know, Sean, I, I agree with you. I mean, listen, depending upon, and I may end up playing multiple pick five tickets, right? This may be a sequence where 
you know, we, we talked about the single and side dog for me. I, I think you could also make a case to potentially single Jackie's warrior. And if you're going to do that, maybe do you single one in one ticket and one in the other and be able to go a little bit deeper in some of these other races for me in the Derby, in my multi-race wagers, it's going to be number one, Modonigal, number three, Epicenter, number six, Messier, number 10, Zandon, and number 12, Taiba. And that'll do it for us on the Action Network podcast, Kentucky Derby betting preview presented by Twin Spires. I'm Sean Zarillo. Thank you, Mike Conti, for joining me. Best of luck on your wagers this weekend. Hope you win some money.